today on Ag News Daily. It's the perspective as a livestock producer that I think is really important to the work that we're doing in advanced animal diagnostics. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It feels good to be back here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. My name is Delaney Howell, joined by Mike Pearson. And Mike, we are the Ag News Daily Podcast now under the Global Ag Network. Darn right. A proud member of the Global Ag Network, America's premier podcast network for agriculture. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, there we go. So now we can use that. Ladies and gentlemen, we are getting so close. This afternoon, we're going to officially sign off on the website. We'll be incorporating all of our other podcasts, the Working Cows podcast, the Topsoil podcast, mm-hmm. Girls Talk Ag, uh, Moving Iron. Everybody will be worked up under that umbrella here later today. And we want your thoughts, listeners. What kind of fun giveaways uh, would you like to see? What should we put the, our name on? Yeah. What are, what are you thinking, Mike? We've already got some cool Agnews Daily headphones. Yeah, we've got headphones. We've got koozies. But mm-hmm. I want that. I want the outside the box stuff. Yeah. What's the crazy stuff? What's the coolest thing you've seen given away at a farm show? Mm-hmm. What's something you wish would be given away? Uh, you know, let's let's get creative. And I'm not good at that. So let's, uh, let's hear from our <laughs> listeners. Okay, let's hear from our listeners. Listeners, shoot us some notes on Facebook or Twitter or email us. Whatever your thoughts are, we're going to yeah. Yeah, we're gonna do some cool swag for sure. Right, exactly. So we want to hear from you. But uh, Delaney, we do have news to cover before yes. we get to today's interview for Hashtag Tech Tuesday. That's right. We do, Mike. I'm going to kick it off here since we were out yesterday. We had a couple of things go down on Monday. I think we need to make sure that we talk about on today's podcast. The first of which is the Farm Bill, which actually maybe isn't really anything to go over, but basically the Farm Bill negotiators met, um, specifically Colin Peterson and Robert Conaway. Nothing really happened. They talked. That's it. We don't know. Yeah. Senator Chuck Grassley, Iowa's senior senator, came out, I believe it was yesterday, and said, you know, we need to start considering the possibility of a one-year extension Mm -hmm. on the 2014 Farm Bill. Yeah, yeah, which I think we called here on the Ag News Daily podcast. I think we did. Yeah, sure. our uh, general cynicism in government maybe uh, <laughs> itself correct. Maybe, maybe not. But the other piece related to government actually is about the uh, trade negotiations going on right now between the U.S. and the European Union. So President Trump, I'm sorry, not President Trump, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer is meeting on Wednesday in what could be a very key meeting for the U.S. and for the EU to talk about trade. And that's, of course, going to be their top top agenda uh, piece. But this is just a very preliminary, bare bones kind of meeting to talk about what's going on in trade and hopefully get something put in place between the EU and the U.S. And uh, specifically beef is a big, big point of trade for the EU and the U.S. that would be part of this trade agreement. Yeah, and these trade negotiations between the U.S. and the EU got a little more testy earlier today. Delaney, did you see uh, President Trump's tweets about this? No, I didn't. Tell me. Okay, well, uh, President of France, Emmanuel Macron, gave a speech yesterday, I believe, on uh, or it was on the 11th, so Sunday, that, uh, you know, talking about World War One, commemorating the 100th anniversary of the end of the Great War. And he talked about how bad nationalism is. 
And, you know, of course, President Trump has called himself a nationalist and all of this. And so he was pretty offended. So he lashed out at uh, President Macron. And he said on trade specifically, quote, this was a tweet from earlier today. Donald Trump said on trade, France makes excellent wine, but so does the U.S. The problem Mm -hmm. is that France makes it very hard for the U.S. to sell its wines into France and charges big tariffs, where the U.S. makes it easy for French wines and charges very small tariffs. Not fair. Must change. End quote. So now we are going to be bringing wine tariffs into this trade discussion Mm -hmm. with uh, Robert Lighthizer later in the week. Okay. Well, I like drinking wine, so I hope no wine tariffs go into effect. (laughs) Well, and and the reason I think it matters is because the EU has, of course, recently stepped up soybean purchases Mm -hmm. from the U.S. And if a trade war, a true tariff war begins with the EU, that would be a pretty easy thing to slap retaliatory tariffs on and you know, the soybean farmers would get it coming and going, so to speak. Yeah. Actually, speaking of soybean purchases from the U.S., we have seen a 35-year high for soybean shipments and purchases from, can you guess what country, Mike? Uh, a 35-year high of yep. exports from Brazil. Nope. It's from U.S. exports heading out to a country. Oh, uh, to the Vietnam. Nope. Uh, South Korea. No, I'll just tell you. 35-year high of EU, Germany, Great Britain. to Argentina. That was my next guess, was, was Argentina. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, that makes sense, given their drought this yeah. last year. Yeah. So for the week of November 8th, they totaled 249,278 metric tons of U.S. soybeans. Getting it done. Hey, any place we can sell a soybean is a good place for U.S. growers. I think I I really would be interested to talk to, though, an Argentinian soybean importer, because as we talked from Dr. Fran, Dr. Fran Olson, we know that U.S. soybeans have to be labeled or kept as U.S. soybeans, regardless of what country they go to first and then to China or whatever. Don't they? That's I mean, that was his argument is that you still have to pay the 25 percent tariff on them, right? Yes, if they're whole beans, but Argentina oh, makes its money yeah, crushing soybeans. So I'm guessing mm. if you add value and you export the meal or the oil, that is probably an Argentinian product, even if it's made with U.S. beans. Mm. That's probably how they're getting around it, then, the loophole. Well, that and they might just be filling contracts going to other countries. Right. You know, Argentina is the world's largest soybean uh, product exporter. So they've got all sorts of contracts to fill. If we send things as meal to China, do they still have to pay tariffs? Mm, It's a good question. I believe the tariffs are just on whole beans. Might be something we need to dig into a little more. Yeah, I'm 90% sure it's just whole beans. But listeners, if I'm wrong, let us know. And actually, Delaney, while we're on the topic of Argentinian crushing, the Commerce Department recently announced, actually yesterday, announced that they are going to look in to the anti-dumping and countervailing Mm -hmm. tariffs that we put on Argentinian soybean biodiesel. Earlier this last year, we've got a tariff of 147% on Argentinian biodiesel, and that has been great news for American producers. And Argentina wants that to go away. They want to start being able to sell biodiesel into the U.S. again. And apparently Mm -hmm. the Commerce Department is going to look at it, and they've got 270 days to make a decision. So if you're a bean grower, crusher, oil producer, now's the time to send in your comments to the Commerce Department. 
Well, speaking of the WTO in the U.S., the U.S. has submitted an analysis to the trade body on Monday talking about Indian cotton subsidies. They uh, argued that New Delhi pays more in cotton subsidies than it has officially declared to the WTO uh, since from about 2010 until now. It said the U.S. reports that subsidies ranged from 53 to 81 percent. And India is only permitted to pay up to 10% of the value of production. Oh, okay. So we've lodged a complaint and we're hoping to put tariffs on? Is that the deal? I don't know what the next step would be, if it would be tariffs or what. Okay. But I mean, I think the argument is like, you know, with what happens in China, India is paying out more subsidy money and giving them an unfair advantage, their producers an unfair advantage co- uh, compared to U.S. producers. Hmm, interesting. Well, that will something we'll have to keep watching. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, Delaney, what is your favorite kind of dinner? If you could have anything to eat tonight, what would it well, be? Well, steak. A steak, exactly. Mine, mine's the exact same. I would say a ribeye with mm-hmm. mashed potatoes, yep. with uh, or butter baked. and sour cream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Baked is what I mean. I'm sorry. I like mash. But I, I prefer like mash. Baked. OK. And broccoli on the side. I love broccoli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty a good. A little, little bit of A1 and some lemon juice. Or on if it was summertime, I would say a side of sweet corn. Oh, sure. Well, guess what, Delaney? It's what? easier to buy steak or pork chops now than it has been in quite some time here in the U.S., These tariffs that we have been denouncing, because they certainly have hurt prices, especially on the pork side, have pushed down prices far enough that U.S. consumers are now choosing to eat pork and beef more than Mm. chicken. And this is reversing a 40-year trend of Americans eating more chicken year on year than pork and beef. Um, People are saying that uh, pork prices are, you know, they're down uh, 62% in China and 20% in the U.S. And so we're not exporting as much. And demand here at home has just surged with these lower prices at the meat case. And consumers and restaurants are all pushing more red meat than they are chicken. They said that uh, this year the chicken industry expects to lose money or break even if things uh, stay the way they're going. Well, yeah, because chicken is a garbage meat. Not really. I like no, it's chicken not. sometimes, it's... but exactly. compared to pork and beef, it just doesn't hold a flame in my eyes. Yeah, I, I'm inclined. I hate chickens. The bird, I hate them. I think they're <laughs> gross, gross yeah. creatures. Yeah. Uh, they eat each other and they peck at each other and they, you know, they're gross. But as meat, I think chicken is is good. It's a uh, something quick you can throw on the grill and not have to really think about it. You can throw it right. in. You know salads and so forth, Mm -hmm. turn rabbit food into people food. Um, (laughs) But yeah, consumers have been choosing it because it has been the affordable protein option. Well, now with cheaper pork, just like you say, they're going for that higher quality protein source. Well, can't argue with that. No, you certainly can't. And Delaney, I am pretty much out of news here for this uh, Tuesday edition. Do you have any other stories for us? I just wanted to make listeners aware of one thing, a couple of weather related things that I guess I didn't really, I wasn't really paying attention to until just recently. And the first is the delayed planting uh, going on right now in parts of Kansas because of rain and snow. 
winter wheat planting is a concern to those people. And I think that's something we definitely need to keep an eye on. And then the other kind of extreme weather case going on right now are the wildfires still going on in Northern California. They uh, have burnt so far or destroyed more than 6,700 buildings, a lot of ground, a lot of wine country is in that area. So just two things I think we need to keep in mind as we look at the greater world of agriculture. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of uh, cattle folks there in yeah. in California. And I believe as of now, 43 people have mm-hmm. been uh, have been killed and there's still something like 180 to 200 missing. So uh, let's keep them in our thoughts and prayers. Yeah. But Delaney, with that being the news, do you want to jump into the markets? I would love to. And today's markets, folks, are not looking pretty. We've got some great people we think that you can count on to uh, help you make some decisions in these turbulent market times. The Zayner Group is our sponsor for markets. And you can give them a call today at 312-277-0050 to learn how their strategies can help protect your bottom line. Looking across the grains today, Mike, it is not too pretty. Starting off in the December corn contract, down four and three quarters cent at 366 and a half, while the March down four and a half at 377 and three quarters. The weakness continues into the soybean markets with the November contract cutting four and a half cents to close at 867 and a quarter, while the January cut five cents today to end at 878 and a quarter. The wheat pits, ooh, seeing a lot of weakness today in the December front month contract, down 12 cents to close at 507 and three quarters, while the March cutting eight and three quarters cents to close at 517 and three quarters. Hopping over into the livestock markets, the tables are the exact opposite, seeing a lot of strength across the board today. The December live cattle contract up 45.5 cents to close at 115.37.5, while the February up 75 cents to close at 118.75. In the feeder cattle pits, the November contract putting on 60 cents for the day to close at 148.97.5, while the January not quite limit up, putting on $3.25 to close at 146.97.5. In the lean hog markets, the December contract up 75 cents to close at 57.30, while the February up 65 to close at 62.17 and a half. And let's see where the dairy markets shook out for today. Looks like skipping November contract here, December contract up 17 and a half cents to close at 14.83, while the January up 17 as well to close at 15.07. With that, Mike. I think we should turn it over here to our Tech Tuesday interview for today. For today's Tech Tuesday interview, we're chatting with Joy Pardrock, who is the CEO of Advanced Animal Diagnostics. Joy, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Glad to. Joy, tell us a little bit about your background and then also the background of Advanced Animal Diagnostics for those of our listeners who haven't heard about that company yet. Sure. So my background um, it, and during the week, um, it's ag marketing. Um, and on the weekends, it's typically a herd of purebred cattle that are the weekend job and my passion. And it's the perspective as a livestock producer that I think is really important to the work that we're doing at Advanced Animal Diagnostics. Um, you know, our mission as a company is to make livestock production more profitable and at the same time to demonstrate to the consumer that as producers, 
we are giving them a, a, the safest, most abundant supply of, of animal protein in the world. So we're all about developing on-farm diagnostics and information technology that can um, do that on, on both sides of the equation, help make the producer more profitable and help demonstrate, demonstrate to the consumer we're meeting their needs as well. So on-farm diagnostic technology. Joy, that sounds mm -hmm. like pretty science fiction-y type stuff. What kind of products or what diseases are you working on helping farmers diagnose on their farms? Yeah, so we started in dairy cattle helping to detect subclinical mastitis. Um, that's the, the most costly disease in the dairy industry. So we thought that's that's where we should tackle first. You know, I think a lot of producers have the mentality that, um, it's kind of a cost of doing business because we've we've had to live with it for so long, but um, we're seeing big gains in um, milk production by detecting it early um, and curing it. So that way it doesn't have to get to the, the clinical state. We can catch it before then because subclinical can actually cost the producer more money than mastitis in its clinical state. Joy, for our listeners who aren't in the animal business, can you describe mastitis? What is it? How do sure. cows get it? Yep. And what does it do? Yeah, mastitis is an infection of the milk-producing gland. So it, it is the most costly. Um, and, and when that milk-producing gland gets infected, um, we want the cow to be, be comfortable and, and to produce at her maximum. So we would treat that at the individual quarter level or, or one of the quarter being one of the four milk producing glands. Um, so this is a this is a diagnostic technology that helps identify it at that individual gland level and intervene before it it gets to the point of clinical disease because um, once that milk producing gland has been damaged, an infection can can damage it um, to to the point where that cow won't be as productive and this milking cycle or in future milking cycles. So that's what we're trying to avoid. Joy, I've got to play devil's advocate just for a second. And I'm sure that you're going to have a great answer for me. But when we're in this period right now of high milk production and a lot of producers having too much milk, what's the benefit mm -hmm. of, of treating mastitis and not just culling that animal? I mean, are you going to see any sort of economic benefit? Sure, that's that is a really good question. So if you think about it, you've invested, you know, two years of time and feed, um, you know, before before you start milking that animal. So that that investment, um, if you can protect it um, and and keep that animal around as a second and third lactation female, she's going to be producing more than a first lactation. So it, it it just makes sense to keep her productive um, because you've invested that that two years in in getting her to the point of milking already. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm if I'm bringing in um, you know first lactation to replace that second or, um, or third lactation, I'm going to be getting less milk um, and and. Um, my investment in in getting her to the point of production essentially isn't isn't amortized over the same amount of time. Yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. And Joy, while we're talking, I mentioned earlier this sounds kind of 
science fiction-y. It's hard to believe we can do this on the phone or on the farm, yeah. but you guys are doing it. And you recently had a press release, and that's why we wanted to get you on the line today. Your Q Scout MLD product is now going to be going nationwide. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and, and how it works to detect mastitis? Sure. So the Q-Scout MLD, it stands for milk leukocyte differential. Um, what we're really doing is we're detecting the different kinds of white blood cells in milk. So um, each white blood cell type plays a different role in the immune system. When there are bacteria present, you normally have more of a certain type of white blood cell. So by looking at the individual cell types, we can not only identify infections earlier, we can also stage them. So um, this is a, a technology that allows us to identify earlier, identify more accurately. Um, and what's it, and do it, what's it look like level. from the farmer's perspective? Mm -hmm. Is this something that I'm, I'm like drawing blood from the cow? Am I milking her and no, testing the taking... milk? No, nope, it just fits into the normal working process. So um, when she comes into the parlor to be milked, um, there's some preparation that's done before milking. And, and normally um, uh, the workers would express a little bit of milk to just check the, essentially look at the quality. So before they attach the milking equipment, they can go ahead and um, squirt some milk into a little collection device we provide. And that fills our test. The test goes into a lab in a box that is on the farm. And in three minutes, they've got results mm. for all four quarters. So if one of the quarters is infected, they can treat just the infected quarter. Joy, how early on can you detect signs of mastitis? Is it like within a day, within a week, a month? Sure. So we, we've done challenge trials where, um, uh, uh, participated in challenge trials where um, uh, bacteria would be um, infused in, into the milking gland. Um, and we see that this technology, while it will vary depending on the type of pathogen, um, normally within a couple of hours, we, we hmm. see a great wow. shift in the types of white blood cells that are there. So. Now, that is really cool. And when we mm -hmm. dairy industry, they are usually the first line at trying mm -hmm. new products, new things that can help promote cow health. And then it typically moves on to the beef side. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working with for our cattle feeding friends? Sure. So um, as, as cattle feeders, I think the, the challenge is making sure that animals are healthy and, and well cared for while minimizing antibiotic use. Um, so we have a test that producers, uh, cattle feeders can use as cattle arrive. Um, and that test um, takes about 30 seconds for them to understand if the animal has a normal immune status and doesn't need any um, antibiotic intervention, or conversely, if the animal would benefit from antibiotics. So it's designed to work in their normal workflow as they'd be processing cattle on arrival. And really good economics, because if you think about the cost of mass medication, um, you know, we, we see that um, most of the time 
it's, it's only a small percentage of, mm-hmm. of the animals, even high-risk cattle that arrive that actually need mass medication. But if we don't have a diagnostic like this because we want the animals to be healthy and, and, and well cared for, um, you might make the decision with high-risk animals to use um, mass medication on, on all of them. And this could eliminate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Julia, are you referring to the blood leukocyte differential test? That's right. It's called Q-Scout okay. BLD. So and there's a version. blood leukocyte differential. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's so a version for blood. That, yeah. yeah. So there's so basically a version for, um, for dairy cattle for the mastitis version, and then the BLD version for, live, for uh, cattle herds is to help pull out those ones that are sick and treat those specific cattle. Yes, that's correct. Wow, Joy, this is really interesting stuff. And when you think about how long um, uh, advanced animal diagnostics has been around, what, what was the timeline like to develop these two products? And what's the future look like for the company? Sure. Seven years ago, we were three people and an idea, mm-hmm. and we were fortunate enough to get some funding from some some industry leaders that allowed us to turn our idea into the first product, the QScout MLD test. Um, we're selling that in the United States. We've partnered with Zoetis based on a successful pilot project in Europe, and they'll be taking the technology outside of the United States. Um, and, and that's really great because that allows us to focus on um, other products where we can add value to the industry through our innovation. So the QScout BLD test we talked about is our first test for the beef industry, but the same technology is scalable and could apply to pork, poultry, um, mm. and in addition to detecting diseases like mastitis or bovine respiratory disease. That lab in a box that we've developed can help detect other diseases or eventually be used to help manage the reproductive or nutritional status of animals. So unfortunately, as livestock producers, there's no shortage of challenges to be solved on the farm. Um, So that's bad news for for us as producers, but uh, I suppose good news for AAD because I think there are a lot of problems that the technology we're developing can help solve. Absolutely. Joy, I kind of have one final two-part question for you. One, is this available for retail at a commercial level for producers directly? And then if so, what benefits or economic savings have producers been seeing from using this technology? Sure. So the QScout MLD test for dairy is commercially available right now. Um, Producers have been seeing, um, if they're using it in early lactation to detect mastitis, they're seeing savings of about $250 per infected cow based on infection rates that can end up being between $25 and $50 per cow in the herd. Holy Um, cow. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That can make a big difference, um, especially when we're in the economic times we are right now. The QScout BLD test, um, we're looking for producers that want to use that on a trial basis right now. We're just pre-commercial launch, um, but based on, on what we're seeing, we're delivering good economic returns for them by saving on the amount of antibiotics that's used on arrival. 
And if you think about, you know, spending $20, $25 a head and only needing that on a, a fraction of the animals, um, those savings really add up as well. You bet yeah. it dollars up pretty quick. Joy Pardrock, mm -hmm. CEO of Advanced Animal Diagnostics. If any listeners want to get in touch with you or use this technology, where should they go to get more information? www.qscoutlab.com. Perfect. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And it's exciting to see improving animal health out on the farms. And thanks for all the work you're doing. Sure. Thank you guys for taking the word to producers. Well, Delaney, that was a fascinating conversation. It's just so cool to see what these companies are able to do with a little bit of blood and a little bit of time. They're on the farm. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's neat, too, that uh, Joy and some of her other coworkers sound like are working in animal agriculture, so they understand kind of the firsthand application of some of this technology. Yeah, you know, if, if you want to make sure something is handy for producers, be a producer yourself. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I hear that from a lot of people who are working on perhaps more recent combines. They wish that some mm. of those engineers yeah. were perhaps farmers as well and were doing some of the maintenance out in the field. Yeah, sometimes it's not quite very practical. No, it is not. But it is always practical to listen to podcasts, <laughs> whether you're in the car, at home, or at work. You can listen to Ag News Daily. Of course, we invite you to listen to it. You can listen to past episodes of our podcast, plus all of our partner podcasts on the Global Ag Network by going to globalagnetwork.com and just clicking around, seeing what you learn, and send us your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.